You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. his prayers recorded in Joshua chapter 10. O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. That's where the battle is raging. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Through prayer. We have a harmful tendency to downplay the power of prayer. You might read stories like the ones Pastor Danny will reference in today's message. Stories of men and women praying with faith and seeing the impossible done. And you assume God simply doesn't work like that anymore. But He does, and He will, when you surrender to Him in faith and pray for His will to be done in your life. Don't be timid or hesitant. Bring every request to Him. He might not answer how you want or expect, but he will always come through. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Potential of Powerful Prayer. The tent life is representative of the faith life. They don't get your roots down too deep here because this is not your home. But Lot over time uh, left the tent, moved into Sodom. In time, not only living in Sodom, became a leader in Sodom, but he's a saved man. We know that from the scriptures, but he's a compromising saved man. God reveals to Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does Abraham do? He knows Lot is living in Sodom along with his wife, along with the the family. And so Abraham begins to pray, intercede on behalf of Lot. And God will not destroy Sodom until Lot is safe out of Sodom. Prayer works. Genesis 20 is fascinating. Abraham, imperfect, Goes down to Egypt, not at God's command. He gets in trouble down in Egypt because uh, kings in that day, they had harems. And if they saw a good-looking woman, they could use their power and just take that woman. If she's married, they could kill the husband and take the wife for themselves. Abraham's concerned about this. So he says to his wife, Sarah, when we get down to Egypt, say you're my sister. Lie. Sarah does so. God brings the whole failure to light to the king. Abimelech is his name. When the whole thing is brought to light, then despite Abraham's failure, now that it's brought to light and out in the open, it says that Abraham prays for King Abimelech. God had closed the wombs of the women there. And through Abraham's prayer, God opens their womb again. Wow, prayer. In Exodus 8, 
when God sends Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, remember he sends these plague, plague after plague. And Pharaoh gets concerned about the plague and he will say to Moses, pray to the Lord, get rid of this, the plague of frogs. Verse 12, chapter 8 of Exodus, after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs were gone. God killed all the frogs. Chapter 8, Exodus, the plague of flies. Pharaoh complains, says, pray to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained in Egypt. Don't you wish you could get rid of flies in your place like that? You get to Exodus chapter 9, verse 33, the plague of hail. Then Moses left Pharaoh, went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord, and the thunder and hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured on the land. Chapter 10, verses 18 and 19, the plague of locusts, same thing. Moses left Pharaoh, prayed to the Lord, and the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. God listened to Moses and did what he asked. Moses repeatedly prayed for the Israelites. God said, Moses, just get out of the way. I'll destroy them, and I'll start all over with just you. And Moses interceded, and God said, okay, I won't destroy them. Deuteronomy 9 verse 20, the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time, Moses said, I prayed for Aaron too. Joshua 10 is one of the most fascinating records of what God did through someone's prayer in all of the Bible. Joshua is now leading the children of Israel. They are in the land of promise, but they're still enemies in the land of promise. An enemy comes against them as they often did. And Joshua goes before the Lord. And he prays. Here's his prayers recorded in Joshua chapter 10. O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. That's where the battle is raging. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped. Till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Through prayer. First Kings 17, God uses the prophet Elijah to raise a widow's son from the dead. First Kings 18, Elijah goes out and stands before 850 false prophets. They are praying because the deal they have with Elijah is the God who answers by fire. He's the true God. So they're crying out to their gods, but nothing happens. The day is lingering on. They get serious, so serious, they begin to cut themselves, and they're running around like frantic, crazy people, you know, calling out to their gods, but nothing happens. Now it's Elijah's turn. He says, first of all, let's, bro- let's, let's repair the broken altar of the Lord. They repair the altar. They get ready for sacrifice. He says, but before this, um, let's get some water. Douse it with water, not just once, not just twice, but three times. The trough around the altar is full, everything soaking wet. And then Elijah steps forward and he says, okay, Lord, you saw him who the true God is. And God answers by fire, licks up the sacrifice, the altar, and all the water. And nobody had a question that day who the true God was. 
Elisha takes over for Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 4. God uses him to raise another woman's son from the dead. 2 Kings 6, Aramean army surrounds Elisha's house. His servant goes outside, sees the army, goes back in, says, Master, Master, we're going to perish. Elisha basically says, chill, dude. And then he prays. Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord allows now the servant to see what the naked eye cannot see, but is very real. There's a very spiritual world that we can't see. And when God opens the servant's eyes, now he looks and he still sees the Aramean army, but he sees horses and chariots of fire. And those in the army with the chariots and horses of fire are much more numerous than the Aramean army and their chariots. Let me pause here for a second. I love those stories. They're real stories. They're true stories. They really happened. But I read them and, and I, have, I have two things that usually happen. I go, man, man, I want to see God do something like that. You know? And of course, my faith is challenged, as anybody's would be. We're going to get to the issue of faith and prayer, but not today. But you know, one of the things I think, and I, look, I, I'm just being honest with you. I think, well, I'm not Moses. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Elisha. I mean, those guys. Those dudes, man. And then God brings me to scriptures like this. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He's just like us. You say, I never prayed that way. No, it, look, he's just like us. Same humanity. Nothing special about him. You know what happened after Mount Carmel? After God answered by fire? And one single prophet stood against 850 false prophets and God showed up? You know what happened after that? Jezebel, wicked woman, wife of a wicked king Ahab, threatened to have Elijah's life because he had all the 850 false prophets killed. And so she said, I'm going to kill you. You know what Elijah does? This great man of God, this great man of prayer, he runs for his life. He hides in a cave. He is not discouraged. He is depressed. He says, God, just take my life. And his whole perspective on reality is skewed because he says, I'm the only one left that's really committed to the Lord. That was not true. And God doesn't come and give us some blistering message. God lets him sleep because he's tired. He's worn out from ministry. God feeds him, lets him sleep some more, lets him get renewed. Listen, he's just like us. I can have a wonderful Easter weekend, and on Monday I can be depressed, but I'm not going to get into that. Listen, but he's just like me and just like you. The men and women of the Bible, they're no different. You read and go, I can never be like that. You are like that. You may not have the same calling. We may not see the same results, but we're just like them. We have the same privileges. <laughs> Moses, he started out, he, he tried to serve God. He murdered an Egyptian. God sent him to seminary on the backside of the desert to teach him a lesson because he had to be humbled. 
But even after he was so humbled and God finally used him, even though he was very reluctant to follow the call of God, he tried as much as he could, gave excuse after excuse after excuse, and God finally said, no, I want you. And he finally reluctantly went. And then after seeing Israel delivered, now he becomes the pastor of this huge flock. But he doesn't know how to run a church. He doesn't know how to administrate. His father-in-law, his father-in-law has to come along and say, what are you doing? Because Moses would sit morning to evening every day and people would come to him. He's like the central guy, you know. He's telling them everything they need. They, he's judging all their problems. And his father-in-law has to say, what you're doing is not good. The people will be worn out and so will you. And he had to learn to delegate. He's a very imperfect man. The apostles, could I remind us just for a moment when the Supreme Court of their day looked at these guys and they said, these guys, you are, they are unschooled, ordinary men. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. But they're unschooled, ordinary men. The word, unschooled, it's our English word, illiterate. Ordinary men. You know what the Greek word is? Let me spell you the Greek word in English. I-D-I-O-T-E-S. Idiotis. They're ignorant idiots. Listen to me. Anybody can have a powerful prayer life. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can have a powerful prayer life. And most Christians that I have, if not all, I think probably all that I, that I know personally have struggled and maybe still struggle today with a meaningful prayer life. But we can all come to a place where we have a powerful prayer life. Teach us to pray. Biblical praying is learned. You don't wake up one morning and just go, oh, yeah, I got it. No, it's learned. Learned. Moses, on the way to the promised land, leading the children of Israel, they come to a rock. The rock is a literal rock, but 1 Corinthians 10 says the rock that accompanied them was Christ. And so this literal rock is to represent Christ. And we know that. That's not guessing. We know that because God says to Moses, because the people are thirsty, there's no water, strike the rock. Moses strikes the rock. Striking the rock is the cross. That's representative of the cross. And waters of salvation and waters of blessing, undeserved, come flowing forth. That's the picture. A while later, they come again. They have need, and they come to the rock. And God says to Moses, this time now, speak to the rock. Don't strike the rock. Speak to the rock. Why? Once the rock is stricken, doesn't die and, and go to the cross a second time. Dies once on the cross. Then all you do is speak to the rock. Right? But Moses, Moses is so angry with the people, there are people easy to get angry at. I mean, they're grumbling and complaining all the time. They repeatedly want to kill Moses and find another leader, you know, get another pastor. And, and so he's angry. They're at the rock. And he says, you rebels, must I bring water out of the rock for you? Wait a minute, Moses, you ever brought water out of a rock? So we have, he's having a carnal moment. He's having a fleshly moment. And so, even though God says, speak to the rock, he takes his staff and he smacks the rock. And he's so mad, he smacks it again. He smacks it twice. God later pulls him aside and says, um, misrepresented me there, dude. I wasn't angry with the people. And because you've misrepresented me, you will not go into the promised land. Whoa, 
for one mistake like that, he's not going into the promised land. That's what God said. Deuteronomy chapter 3, you can read it. Right in Deuteronomy 3, here's what it tells us. Moses pleaded with the Lord. And if you understand it, he did it on more than one occasion. And God got so tired of him pleading. What is he pleading about? He's repeatedly asking the Lord to change his mind. Oh, Lord. I mean, after all he's been through, after all he's sacrificed, at least let me go in and see the promised land. And God got so tired of Moses continually coming to him and asking to change his mind. God said to him, don't talk to me about it again. And no amount of prayer would change God's mind. Elisha took over for Elijah, and the Bible records twice as many miracles for Elisha as for Elijah. Elijah and Elisha both saw people through their ministries, people raised from the dead, powerful miracles. But 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 tells us that Elisha died of an unnamed illness. Couldn't God have healed him? Sure he could have. Acts 19.11 tells us the Apostle Paul did extraordinary miracles. I'm just looking for a few ordinary ones. (laughs) God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, and yet one of Paul's main ministry associates, his name is Epaphroditus, was sick and almost died, and God didn't use Paul or his prayer or his ministry to see Epaphroditus healed. His number one ministry associate named Timothy was often sick, had a lot of stomach problems. And there's no record of God ever healing Timothy of those issues. Paul himself prayed to the Lord three times, three times, to take away a thorn in his flesh, a messenger from Satan that's tormenting him in his body. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was painful and it was daily. And God said, no, my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. There's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Here's the record of Hebrews chapter 11. Some conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, women received back their dead. Others, others were tortured. Some faced years in flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. John 11 tells the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He has two sisters, Martha and Mary. When Lazarus gets sick, Jesus is in another village and Martha and Mary send a messenger and they say, the one you love is sick. Jesus, when he hears the message from the messenger, he sends the messenger back with these words. Here's the words. This sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory that God may be glorified through it. You hear that message. What are you going to think? Well, you know what you're going to think. My brother's going to be healed. My friend, my neighbor, whoever, whoever Lazarus is to you, he's going to be healed. Jesus is going to show up. He's going to heal him. Jesus makes the statement, sends the messenger back, and delays going back to where Lazarus is. And during the delay, guess what? Lazarus dies. You know what both Mary and Martha say when Jesus shows up? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But they misunderstood the will of God. It was the will of God to allow Lazarus to die what seems to be a premature death because he was a young man. 
And it didn't seem like this could be the will of God for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who it says Jesus loved them. Mary was a radical worshiper of Jesus. And yet God allowed her brother to die because he wanted Mary and Martha and everybody else to understand the hope is beyond this life. Please understand both sides of the coin. One side of the coin says, oh God, I want you to do the miracle and I believe you want to do the miracle and I want you to do the miracle, but the miracle that you're expecting and you're asking for doesn't come. Could it be our lack of faith sometimes? Yes. Could it be our lack of prayer? Sure, sure. But sometimes it's just not the will of God. And a powerful prayer life doesn't mean you're going to always get what you're asking for or what you're hoping for. I don't know if you've ever considered this passage, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1, the righteous perish, and no one ponders it in his heart. Nobody considers. Devout men are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. You understand what that scripture is telling us? God took your child. God took your child and you prayed and you got other people to pray and you got him on prayer list or her on prayer list and yet God took your child and you still maybe today don't understand why. But it could be based on this verse, God saving that child from something much worse in this life. God saving your wife or your husband. You know, one of our team members as we prayed in this last service and he was in the hospital quite a bit and almost died and he said I'd I'd ask you guys to pray for me I said we'll pray for you but understand you're better off dead he had to think about that for a minute pastor said I'm better off dead well you are if you know Jesus we're human beings you say duh (laughs) that's a real revelation as you close the service we're human beings you ever thought of the fact the truth that God knows exactly how we feel as human beings because he became a human being Jesus he's a man except for disobedience except for sin Jesus relates to everything else we go through did you know that During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. As we turn a corner here, I don't have time to get into it. We'll pick it up again next week. But Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed. And it says he prayed earnestly. It says he prayed so earnestly that a medical condition called hematidrosis happened in his physical body where he's sweating drops of blood. As he's praying to the Father, and here's what he's saying, Oh, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Anybody goes looking for pain, you got a mental problem. Even Jesus, the Son of God, knowing why he came, knowing he came to die for the sins of the world, he says, Father, if there's any other way. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. And he said, Yet not my will. Yours be done. Man, if it's somebody else's kid, you might pray that prayer easier. But when it's your kid, (laughs) oh, God, heal them. Yet not my will. Yours be done. (sighs) I looked at our prayer list. And please understand, please understand me. All right, please, look. But you look at the prayer list. You look at the prayer list. What is it? It, it, It's save me from the pain. Make the pain brief as possible, you know. But how many times do we pray, oh, Lord, heal me, but may your will be done. Even Jesus himself, physically, humanly, wanted to avoid the cross. Powerful prayer begins and ends 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word. <music>